Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 60. In today's episode, I'm talking about a new treatment for dog ear infections. We're going to be discussing senior pet care help, things such as cancer prevention. And then lastly, news about how it's illegal for your veterinarian to prescribe medical marijuana to dogs and cats. Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes, Stitcher and Podbean. I'd sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher and Podbean. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. You can send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. And then if you had to do so, I really encourage you to get a copy of my free book by going to veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. New treatment for recurring dog ear infections. Does your dog get recurring ear infections? This podcast contains some of the new treatments in terms of treating ear infections at home. In fact, one of the most common reasons I saw dogs in veterinary practice is due to ear infections. What are some of the signs your dog keeps shaking its head and scratching at its ears? Often you're going to see a foul smelling black, yellow, or brown discharge. The ears may be very red and tender. What are some of the causes? You know, ear infections are most typical in dogs. Most ear infections are caused by an underlying allergy. Some are caused by water in the ear after bathing or swimming. Dogs with large floppy ears, such as basset hounds, are prone to infections as their ear canals have poor air circulation, trapping moisture and allowing bacteria and yeast to grow. Dogs with ear infections caused by yeast usually have a black discharge. This is commonly second to an allergy. Dogs with bacterial ear infections often have an organism called Staphylococcus. In rare cases, a more serious infection is caused by a bacteria called Pseudomonas. The principle of all this is one, you need to treat the infection Secondly, deal with the underlying cause. What are the most likely causes? Underlying allergies, secondary recurring yeast infections. Most commonly, the yeast is, is going to show up as a black, waxy debris. And many dog owners saw often a thought that during vet practice, when I come and see them, that their dog had ear mites, where in fact, ear mites are extremely rare in dogs. So how best to treat the yeast? First, you can make an ear cleaning treating cleanser at home. And that would include 200 mils of green tea. That's about three quarters of a cup of green tea. I prefer the tea leaves, but you can also use a tea bag. Then allow it to cool. Then add in 50 mils or three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. You can use this twice daily for five to seven days as needed. Keep it covered in the fridge and it will last at least 30 days. You're going to only need one to two teaspoons to clean the ear. Here you are squirting the mixture in the ear, rubbing the base of the ear to loosen the debris of the infection, then wiping the excess out with a cotton ball. If your dog has open wounds in the ear, avoid the apple cider vinegar and only use the green tea. The second option is a topical antifungal cream. Now, what you can do is you pick up an over-the-counter antifungal cream. Uh, the specific drug that I found to be most effective is called clotrimazole. And I just picked one up here locally. It, this is the medication. This clotrimazole is the one used to treat most dog ear infections in the veterinary ear products. You know, a 1% clotrimazole cream of 30 grams only costs approximately $10 and may last you for a year versus the $30 vet one, which might only last a week. And honestly, this is ideal if your dog is getting recurring yeast infections and you want a far less expensive veterinary option. Next thing, you gotta look at decreasing inflammation. You know, most of the ear infections are red, inflamed, so it's really nice to deal with the inflammation without using a steroid such as prednisone. The one I would suggest is curcumin. It's both safe and effective to give long-term. You can use the 95% curcuminoids. We're looking at doses of 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight once or twice daily. It's best to give the capsules or they're gonna stain everything orange. 
Then lastly, we want to deal with the underlying allergy. Because most of these dog ear infections, they've got an underlying allergy. First thing, get your dog high levels of the essential fatty acids. It could be in the form of flax oil or fish oil. But you need therapeutic doses of these EFAs at 1,000 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. That would mean giving your dog, say the 50-pound dog, one tablespoon of flax oil twice a day. Secondly, try to get your dog on a hypoallergenic diet if you've yet to do a proper food trial. The big thing here is you're going to be feeding completely different protein with minimal added ingredients. It must be fed for a minimum of six weeks, ideally up to 12. A really good one that I've often used in veterinary practice was fish and sweet potato. So if your dog has recurring ear infections, follow some of these steps and you could go a long way into finally stopping this problem at home. The second part of today's podcast, we're talking about senior pet care help. What are some of the more common senior pet problems? And more than anything, I want to talk about, you know, what are the things you can do to prevent these, this from happening in the first place? Super common, you know, degenerative joint disease or arthritis. You get this joint wear and tear. We got loss of the senses in terms of vision, um, in terms of hearing and sort of sense of smell. We want to do things to prevent cancer, which is so, so common in our middle-aged and older animals. Help with organ dysfunction. It's you know, so common to see the organs start to fail. And lastly, maintain brain function. But what are some of the things that you can do then best to keep your pet healthy, preventing some of these more common diseases? Well, first of all, degenerative joint disease or joint wear and tear. I mean, it's one which happens with all of us as we age. Some of our animals are former active. We get these dogs running around all the time, doing all this jumping, especially if they're slightly overweight. They're going to put more force on some of their joints. So imagine their knee joint or their hip joint. Eventually, you can start to lose that smooth cartilage that covers the bone. Ultimately, then you can get bone bone on bone, and then you're going to get joint inflammation, joint arthritis, new bone production. Some of the loss of vision, that could be from things called senile cataracts, where you get a slight decrease in vision loss, could be sort of normal aging changes. You can get a loss of hearing, you get ossification of the small inner ear bones. Other cases, chronic ear infections can affect hearing. You can, you can see a decrease in a sense of smell. Here you're having just less responsive neurons. Different, different systems are aging and different things start to break down. We can see organ dysfunction, you know, such as liver disease, kidney disease. Some of the metabolic diseases, such as diabetes, Cushing's thyroid disease. Then cancer, you know, once again, think about the golden retrievers. So even during my time in veterinary practice, when I started, the golden retriever's lifespan was close to 15 years. By the time I finished, it was closer to 10. That's how serious cancer has become and how prevalent specifically in that breed. I mean, all of us know animals and know people that have lost animals that have died of cancer. So one of the, some of the things that could be causing this you really need to be focusing on, I think for more than anything is we need to be focusing on diet, what's going into our dogs, what's going into our cats, and what they're being exposed to. Some of the really big, big toxins. BPA. Think about what's leaching out of the pl um, plastic lining. It's a hormone disruptor. It's affecting us. It's affecting our dogs and cats. Phthalates once again be some of these pl the plastic um, and also in pet food lining pfc's these te te teflon chemicals once again from from the inside lining of the cans um, from the lining of pet food bags but not only are these sort of toxins you know it's just real for our dogs and cats so they're also real for us and i mean they're now no one studied hormone disruptors um, that you know they're now showing to feed they, they mimic estrogens they talk about them as being um, how they're having a, a direct role in the whole host of diseases in people and it makes the same sense that they're now also affecting our animals in that very much same way 
but even I'm more concerned is our animals are that much smaller. They're always grooming themselves. They're licking their paws. Your cat is grooming himself. All those toxins are going to even concentrate so much more within them. So if you want to sort of sit back and wonder, like, why are we seeing all these diseases, especially these serious changes in our senior animals? Often you can sort of wonder, probably we're looking at so many of these toxins that are causing it. So what can you do? What are some of the top preventives that are easy to give? First, these guys that have degenerative joint, joint disease, both for dogs and cats, a real good base is three key supplements, glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM. Um, in my dog and cat supplement, I have both of those. Um, I'm trying to be very helpful for our dogs and our cats. Consider acupressure if you yet to learn it. I've got a pile of videos on it. I'll put a link underneath the podcast to some of the YouTube videos on acupressure. Lastly, CBD. It's a great, great option. Um, very safe for our dogs and cats, really good anti-inflammatory, can be really beneficial for our aging animals. Um, we're looking at a CBD dose, about one milligram per 10 pounds of body weight, once or twice daily. Throughout to prefer, preserve some of the senses and the loss of senses, such as vision, uh, such as hearing, um, such as sense of smell. You think about, once again, pretty key supplements in the diet. I really like increased number of antioxidants, you know, such as vitamin E, such as vitamin C, such as selenium. Some of the flavonoids, you know, some of the things such as ECGC, some of the things found in them, uh, maybe some carotidin found in apple peel, ECGC found in green tea, can go a long way in maintaining, decreasing sort of um, the cell damage that can happen. Um, from oxidation using the using these flavonoids and antioxidants. Lastly, I sort of lump together things such as cancer, organ dysfunction, um, some of these hormonal um, or related metabolic disorders, you know, such as Cushing disease. And in that, I think a lot of them are kind of tied in what's what's really often driving the cause of these is these toxins, poor quality diet. And us not having enough things in that diet to enhance and support uh, the immune system and the organs. So I really think we look about you know feeding your dog or really avoiding as many toxins as possible. You're not gonna you're avoiding that shiny lining. You're not gonna feed less less can that's got these PFCs within that. You're gonna make it a point of not using plastic. You're gonna make a point of you know if. You're going to be giving your dog um, a food itself. It's going to be organic, natural type food. You're going to be looking at adding in other supportive things, such as antioxidants, vitamin E, vitamin C, selenium. The good, 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 good quality bacteria, the probiotics, that are so important not just for you know gut health, but also for brain health, also for overall immune health. Colostrum, you know, such a key, key of all the different sort of immune supportive products. Colostrum's got a pile of research behind it. Really beneficial for our dogs and cats. The flavonoids I mentioned. The use of things such as CBD uh, as not only being an anti-inflammatory, potentially also being helpful, helpful to prevent things such as cancer. Also a small amount of even THC in combination with that. The minimal use of vaccines, limited use of conventional medication, especially things that are given long term. Like there's no need to have, you know, these monthly flea and tip preventives or some of these new and some of these newer ones now. Or even other ones we're trying to de- maybe we're trying to deal with a dog that has an allergy and you're like, okay, I'm gonna use a- apoquil, I'm gonna use atopica, I get it. But if you can try some alternative options and not use those near as often, I, I personally think long term it's be so much healthier. Uh, for your animals. For the last part of today's podcast, I want to discuss the current marijuana laws. And in part, this came from an article where an, an attorney said that discussing and prescribing marijuana-based substances with clients um, is 100% potentially not allowed. Not only, so based on right now, and I want to just sort of quickly recap 
what the law, where the law sits for medical marijuana for dogs and cats, both in Canada and the United States. In the United States, it's, it, yes, there are some states that have legalized marijuana, but still federally, um, it's classified as a Schedule One drug, meaning not only is it not legal for you to prescribe marijuana, it's illegal for your veterinarian to even discuss it. I mean, and if they do discuss it, they could face things such as fines, imprisonment, could could be at the point where they could lose, you know, their basic rights to practice. They're not able to get things such as anesthetic and uh, narcotics used for pain meds in practice. Just even by discussing, is that happening? No, but is, there the, is that the possibility? Yeah, it is. Likewise, in Canada, even though marijuana has now been legalized in Canada for people, still not for animals. Still classified as a, a Schedule II drug, meaning veterinarians cannot legally prescribe medical marijuana for dogs and cats at all. So as it sits right now, both in the United States and Canada, and I think in most countries throughout the world, it's illegal for veterinarians to prescribe it. Even though there's this range of um, evidence-based studies showing a array of different benefits, we've got universities such as Colorado State uh, studying uh, CBD um, for seizuring animals, seizuring dogs. Um, we see a huge number of benefits um, using it for, um, say, some of our animals that can't take anti-inflammatories such as cats and arthritis. There's a pile of research uh, with THC and CBD as far as both prevention and treatment of cancer. And a number, pile of different research, a number of different, so many thousands of pet owners are seeing positive results. It's still illegal, which makes no, no sense to me at all. And that's where, so where we're sitting. Um, what can you do as a, you know, a concerned dog and cat owner? Well, I'm going to put, put some links under the podcast here um, for you to actually go to. You can advocate with your associations. You can ad, 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 advocate whoever your representative, be it you know, the House of Reps or the Congress or here in Canada, who is your local parliamentarian who is representing you in government, to look at them, like encouraging them to change the laws. And lastly, you know, you just let your veterinarians know like that you want it. You want to have access to this. And you see all the big benefits. As things change, I'll let you guys know. And one, my one last point, I've treat, I treated my own dog um, who had mouth cancer. He responded so, so well uh, with CBD, THC. And I had to get a script for that. You know, I had, you know, I have a, a, a chronic lower um, leg injury. It was easy enough for me to get a prescription uh, for medicinal marijuana. And I was able to, you know, treat my dog via that way. But while it sits right now, unfortunately, makes zero sense to me. And yeah crazy crazy law but there it is um and you know as things change i'll definitely be letting you know so thanks you guys for listening to this edition of veterinary secrets if you have any questions comments feel free to post a comment on my blog um, secondly too um i love to hear feedback from you guys you know specifically what you'd like to hear about um, and if you have any suggestions like i love to have suggestions for, for future podcasts it would be great so you can either leave a comment on the blog veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog you can send me an email podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. Once again, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is Dr. Jones.